Hey, everybody. Before we begin this week's show, we wanted to invite you to support the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network, or PANCAN. PANCAN has an upcoming cancer walk called PANCAN Purple Stride on April 27th, 2024. You can find a walk in your area on their website, which we will put in the show notes. You can also make a financial donation. Several people associated with Star Trek are involved in fundraising for this organization, including Jonathan Frakes, who played the great Commander Riker in The Next Generation, and Armin Shimmerman, who played everybody's favorite Ferengi bartender, Quark, in Deep Space Nine. PANCAN supports research to improve early detection and accelerated treatment and provides personalized support and resources to those who have been affected by pancreatic cancer. Please consider joining Team Trek and making a financial donation. This is a cool way for the Star Trek community to come together for a worthy cause. We will leave the link to the Team Trek fundraising page in the show notes, or you can go to pancan.org for more information. And now, enjoy the episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Father and Son's Guide to the Galaxy. I'm your host, Ethan. And I'm your co-host, Anthony. And today we're going to do something a little bit different. The last three episodes, we've talked about an episode of Star Trek The Original Series and our thoughts on those episodes and, and so forth. But today we thought we'd give you the opportunity to get to know us a little bit better and to talk about why we love Star Trek. And so... I'm going to ask Ethan some questions as we go, because I think his perspective is particularly interesting. Ethan's 15 years old, and it's it's interesting to get his perspective from his generation about this iconic show uh, that's meant so much to so many people for so many decades. So let's start off, and let me ask you, Ethan, what was your initial impression of Star Trek when we we first watched an episode or a movie together? First initial impression. I have to think about this one. I don't know. I think it was in elementary school the first time we, we ever watched Star Trek. And I think it was probably one of the original series movies, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that the first movie we watched together was Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan. And then we watched... I think we watched Star Trek three and four and five and maybe six. We never got into the next generation movies, but that was your first exposure was to the crew from the original series, but the movies, not the TV show. Right, right. I, I'm kind of remembering now because I remember the first time I watched the one with the whales. That was an interesting movie. <laughs> yeah, the one with the whales. <laughs> I'm not even going to call it Star Trek four. It's just Star Trek, the one with the whales. <laughs> Good. So, did you did you like it? Did you have any? I mean, you you've always liked action type movies and science fiction. You love Star Wars, which we've watched a lot of Star Wars together. But what did you think of Star Trek when you were younger and we watched those movies? When I was younger, I think I just liked it because you liked it. Honestly, I didn't really have an opinion on it. I was like, oh yeah, Dad loves Star Trek. I'm gonna watch Star Trek with him. And then I remember we tried to watch some of the next generation as a family, but 
we never really did. We kind of all lost interest in it. Right. Yeah. Your mom and your sisters were not real into it. And so it, it didn't really take off as a, a family show uh, that we could enjoy together. So fast forward several years uh, to about probably a year ago, maybe a little bit more. I was watching Star Trek. I think I was starting to watch The Next Generation and I was trying to get you to watch some shows with me. And you made a comment to me that I thought was hilarious, which was, it's just a bunch of people sitting in chairs and talking. And uh, of course, Star Trek is so much more than that, as, as you now know. But uh, at, from the perspective of a however old you were, 13 or 14 year old, I thought that was pretty funny. Although I was disappointed because I was hoping that I could get you into it like I had done with Star Wars. But eventually I got you to sit down and watch Strange New Worlds, the pilot episode for Star Trek Strange New Worlds. I had watched it and I was really impressed with it. And I knew that visually, aesthetically, it probably would be a lot more welcoming to your eyes since you've grown up with this amazing CGI and technology that we didn't have when I was growing up. And so I thought maybe that would be enough to at least get you to watch it. And then hopefully the story would pull you in. And so we sat down one night and we watched the pilot episode of Strange New Worlds. And what was your initial thought after watching that episode? Well, before we watched it, I remember there was a bit of convincing required to get me to watch it there was a bit of discussion between you and me you're like come on just give it a chance and i was like i gave it a chance however so long ago seven-ish years ago i i don't remember the specifics but then we watched the episode and i was like this isn't too bad what did you like about it just in general now i kind of need to remember the strange new worlds pilot episode a bit right i I didn't really know any of the characters on the Enterprise. I, I knew who Spock was at the very least, but I still found it a very, like, it was an entertaining episode because, right, I'm starting to remember the the Enterprise was sent on a rescue mission on a planet that was not warp-capable, and so they kind of needed to follow the Prime Directive and do that. And I was like, wow, this is pretty cool science fiction stuff. I was like, I'll give I'll give it a little bit more of a chance and after a few episodes. Yeah. And then it sucked you in, right? And we were hooked on Strange New Worlds. And then I think, if I remember right, we started watching Star Trek Discovery after that, which we have some mixed feelings about Star Trek Discovery. The first season was pretty good. Uh, the second season was quite good. And then the last few seasons haven't been up to par, although I hear that this upcoming season is supposed to be pretty good. This will be the final season of Star Trek Discovery that will be released uh, later this year, and that is hopefully going to go back to the storytelling that they did in the first couple of seasons that made it a pretty good show. But I think that was the next show we watched, and then eventually we started watching Star Trek Deep Space Nine together. And that one, we've, we're now almost to the end of season five, and we've watched every episode up until that point together. And that's kind of your introduction, if you will, to old school Star Trek. You've watched some of the episodes of Next Generation with me, 
and uh, some episodes of Voyager, which I'm going through right now. But Deep Space Nine was kind of your uh, introduction to Star Trek from my generation. Yeah, if, if I'm being totally honest, until we started watching it, I thought Deep Space Nine was a movie, and I thought we were watching a movie that night. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. I didn't know that. So, it's interesting. So, you thought the pilot episode was a movie, and when did you realize that it was actually a TV show? It was before we started watching it, but we were finding something to watch that night, and you were like, hey, we should try watching Deep Space Nine. That might be a good show. And I was like, wait, that's not a movie? Okay. <laughs> I mean, just by looking at like the the little like cover art that showed the space station, in my mind, it looked like a movie cover. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I mean, it, and it kind of sounds like a movie, right? Star Trek Deep Space Nine. So. Yeah, it does sound like a movie. Cool. And so, what did you think of Deep Space Nine in particular as we delved into Star Trek from the 1990s? From what I've seen, Deep Space Nine was incredibly different not just in obviously it's graphics and like just you know quality of the film that took just the whole story was different because it was essentially just it was about a a captain of a starship being brought onto a space station in pretty much the middle of nowhere and one thing i found really interesting was the whole Cardassian Bajoran culture in the first episode because I'm I was confused because they're like they're letting the Cardassians onto the station after a war that that's weird and they're just visibly hated but they're just spending their time there right yeah they they had signed a, a treaty or come to some sort of agreement to end the conflict and the occupation right yeah and Deep Space Nine is an interesting show because it was serialized and and in the 1990s this was kind of new and an unconventional way to shoot a tv show and so deep space nine has this story arc that that continues through the entire series right with the dominion war and the uh, you know starts off with the end of the bajoran and cardassian conflict and then the the characters develop and they have one off episodes every so often but a lot of the times the episodes are tied together and that was a pretty progressive approach to TV at the time. Now, eventually, and in your lifetime, that becomes the norm in TV shows, right? Is the serialized storytelling, but deep space nine was unique at that point in terms of its storytelling. So I wonder if that may be something that made you more interested in Star Trek just because you're used to that serialized type of show versus the next generation where they might have uh, an episode or, or two or three that have, have a story arc, but for the most part, they're individual one-off episodes. Do you think that had any influence in your uh, eventual love of Star Trek? That. I wasn't really thinking about it like that when I was watching Star Trek, but as we've started watching the original series, I've definitely noticed no episodes are connected. And sometimes when we've been watching Deep Space Nine, it feels like the episodes aren't connected, and at the same time, they, they are connected, because then one episode, somebody goes through some deep traumatic event, next episode, they're walking around like everything's fine. Yeah. Like, a, a close person to them might have died in that episode that we were pretty much introduced to for like 20 minutes they're distraught the whole episode 
next next episode no no problem it's like nothing happened right right and i think that's because this idea of the serialized storytelling and in tv over multiple episodes was was groundbreaking it was new and so there the character development from episode to episode didn't all doesn't always uh, feel like it's a serialized show but the narrative does right because it, most of the episodes touch on this you know the story about the the wormhole and their access to the gamma quadrant and then the rise of the dominion and the conflict that's coming and we're getting to the dominion war here soon it's already kind of started where we're at in the series but but I can totally see what you're saying that episode to episode in terms of the characters there may not have been as much continuity as we would maybe expect today in a a well-done tv show yeah there's also kind of just characters that completely forget about like in the first season of deep space nine there they brought like the bajoran religious leader with them to the gamma quadrant and they kind of had to leave her like marooned on a planet because if she left the planet she would die but nobody's ever talked about it. <laughs> they kind of just forgot about it. Yeah. Maybe brought it up for the episodes where they were reelecting the new Kai or whatever the title is called. But other than that, nobody talks about it ever, yeah. ever again. Yeah, they just kind of forgot about that storyline. And they gave the title to the most evil lady in all of Star Trek. Right, Kai Wen. <laughs> so. Now that you've had quite a bit of exposure to Star Trek, including now the original series, which we're talking about on this podcast, what what is it that you enjoy or love about the Star Trek idea, the Star Trek universe? I think when it when it comes to the Star Trek universe, I really love just the the exploration aspect of it. I mean, that, that's what Starfleet's built on. But that's probably my favorite part of it, because you know it's finding new things in lo- in civilization in life that's incredibly interesting, and the fact that they managed to tie it all in to stuff you see today is incredibly fascinating. But then there's also the cool dynamic action scenes, the especially the the newer stuff has really good fight scenes cuz mainly cuz the ships can actually move around a bit and are not stuck on a straight line firing little phaser blast but like it's 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 all the action and all the exploration basically what makes star trek star trek yeah when i was your age and and i loved star trek uh from a pretty early age cuz my I think I've mentioned this before. My parents exposed me to the movies that were made in the 70s and 80s with Captain Kirk and Spock. And then eventually they started selling the original series on VHS. And my dad had, you know, would collect those episodes. And so I would watch some of those episodes from time to time. But that's the thing that I loved about Star Trek two was this idea of exploration and space as the final frontier, which it really is the fi- the final frontier. Right. And this idea that we could boldly go where no one has gone before and find strange new worlds and, uh, d- you know, alien life and different cultures. It was just a really exciting thing to me. And 
quite frankly, I'm a little disappointed because I thought at at the time that I was your age growing up in the, the 80s and 90s, in my mind, I would have thought that by now in 2024, we would have been much further along in our exploration of space, not necessarily to Star Trek levels and, you know, warp, go in warp speed and that kind of stuff. Uh, but I would have thought we would have made it to Mars and maybe even had a colony there, a colony on the moon. And we're working towards that, right? We've got SpaceX and what's what's the Jeff Bezos company? I can't remember. There's there's a couple of these companies from these billionaires. Richard Branson, I think, has a, a space company, and and so that's that's the goal, right? I think Elon Musk's company is probably the one that's made the most progress towards that. But we're not as far as along as I had anticipated we would be by now. So it is a little disappointing. But that idea of exploration resonated with me as a young man. So that that's interesting. That that's kind of what stands out to you too. What else? Anything else that that you love about Star Trek? Well, before that, I just want to say, didn't everybody from the '80s have that kind of vision for the future? I mean, Back to the Future too. They had everyone on hoverboards and self-tying shoes and auto-adjusting clothes. But no, we're still walking around and tying our own shoes. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I think to some extent that that's definitely true. Um, in the, the se- probably the mid to late 70s, 1980s, there, there was this kind of expectation that technology would uh, advance beyond our wildest imagination. And in some ways it has, right? Because the idea of the internet, what, what the internet is today uh, with, with the web and cloud computing and having smartphones and the a- access to information about literally anything you can think of in the palm of your hand, that, that wasn't something that we necessarily imagined at the time, right? I mean, probably some visionary thinkers did, but the as a general rule, the population didn't think about that kind of technology advancing in the way that it has. But to your point, I think that there was this idea of a future that would be, you know, advanced in technology and that we would be doing things that we couldn't even dream of at the time. One of the things that I have come to really love and appreciate about Star Trek is the characters. And I think in addition to the idea of Star Trek and exploration and and all that, I think the characters are what make Star Trek truly great because you you have to have great characters to have great storytelling right and and star trek as a general rule uh, is great storytelling or at least really good storytelling now not every episode is amazing right and i think i heard Jonathan Frake say one time that you know when you're doing 26 episodes a year a season, not every episode is going to be a home run. But as a general rule, the Star Trek stories in the TV shows and the movies have, have been pretty awesome. But the characters are the key to those stories working, right? And so right. I love the 
the diversity of the characters, the way that different cultures are explored in Star Trek. And I love how Star Trek places these species with wildly different cultures and ideas and philosophies into the same story onto the same starship and they learn how to work together. Right. Right. They, They learn what it means to become a team and to have a common purpose and to work for the betterment of the galaxy. And I love that ideal. I, I just think it's a really cool, beautiful ideal that is worth striving for in humanity. And Star Trek reflects that ideal through its diverse characters. Yeah, I would definitely say the same to that. Just especially the way that kind of older Star Trek did it in their character development. You found just a, a connection with these characters almost kind of like you were there witnessing it just kind of observing rather than influencing one one thing i did notice is the way they do character development now like on star trek discovery it's almost to a point where almost i could care a little less about their backstory and i think that's because i've noticed this for characters like major kira on deep space nine their backstories are tied into the episode Like, often there will be, in those backstory episodes, some kind of, like, a person from the Resistance coming back, or some old threat during the Cardassian occupation. Things like that would happen, and you'd really begin to appreciate the backstory of the character. But on more modern television, the characters in Star Trek Discovery, they kind of just brought up their backstory at the most randomest of times, and I think it's really difficult to remedy that situation seeing as the writers put them what what was it 10,000 years in the future 100,000 yeah i don't remember but it's it's it was like, a long time it's a long time in the future yeah when they nobody from their past is alive so yeah it's really hard to do their character development there yeah that's that's a really good observation i i hadn't thought of that but i think you're right the they don't in Star Trek Discovery, at least, they haven't done a great job of integrating the backstory of the characters into the episode arcs and, and the storyline for the season. And that has made the, some of the characters in Star Trek Discovery not quite as charismatic or interesting as the characters in other Star Trek series have been. And that uh, that's unfortunate, but I, I think I think you're right on with that. No, they do have some good characters in Discovery. The uh, what's the first officer's name? Oh, is, it's Saru. Saru, I, yeah, yeah, Saru. He's he's a good character. Yeah, because they did a whole episode about his planet, and so you kind of got sucked into the sort of Kelpian backstory about how they're fearing. I. There was the secondary species on the planet that um, aren't as strong, but they had technology. And so they kind of just overwhelmed them by force. And the whole storyline that um, the thing that the Kelpians think um, are causing them to die is actually just part of their life cycle and makes them stronger in a way. Like, that was really interesting. But one thing I didn't like is there were characters introduced 
especially in the end of season two, that you would have only known existed if you would watch those Star Trek shorts. Right. Which we didn't. So there was parts that left me very confused. Yeah, yeah. Definitely in terms of Star Trek storytelling, Star Trek discoveries on the lower end. Now, we've never watched together Star Trek Enterprise and that is kind of like the redheaded stepchild of Star Trek. I've watched some episodes of that some years ago. It's okay. It, it, it's not bad. But I, I, when we get to that eventually, I'll, I'll be interested to hear your take on Star Trek Enterprise because it, it's it's quite different and it takes place before the Captain Kirk and Spock era. So it's a prequel and it only lasted a few seasons. I think it wasn't particularly popular, but nonetheless, as a general rule, Star Trek's characters are really, really compelling and important to the stories. And you become emotionally invested in the characters, right? So think of, for me, like I I think about my favorite characters. Of course, I love the captains. I love Captain Kirk and Captain Picard and Captain Janeway. I think they're all, you know, amazing, strong leaders uh, and, and make for good characters. But probably more than those characters, I like the... Uh, the the kind of secondary characters uh, like uh, Worf in The Next Generation, right? This Klingon who was raised by humans who ends up in Starfleet after the Klingon Federation conflict. And he, culturally, he's he he's still trying to adapt and he's still trying to connect with his own culture, his own Klingon culture. Right. And it just makes for really interesting storytelling with, with characters like that. Yeah. And especially with characters like that, like I feel like most, most Star Trek shows and things and movies like that have a Mr. Spock style character. Who's kind of out of the loop on, social norms, emotional stuff. Like, Next Generation has Mr. Worf, who is just very out of the loop on most human aspects. Star Trek Voyager introduces Seven of Nine, who is just completely oblivious and thinks, like, if anything socially related is just not useful. And, yeah, I've I've noticed a pattern for things like that. Like, Deep Space Nine has Odo, too, who... You know, they're all just very underdeveloped characters, but they do that on purpose just to provide some contrast. Right. You kind of see what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, kind of introverted characters in a way. And you're right about having a Spock character on most of these shows, too. Like, Data in, in Next Generation is really the Spock character, right? Right, he's right. I kind of forgot about Data for yeah. a moment there. And and he's a fascinating character, but he, he wasn't a... a a replica of Spock, right? He, they didn't, he, he didn't play it like Spock, but he's still this highly intelligent, logically thinking Android who is trying to understand what it means to be human. Right. And you get so many interesting stories and funny episodes and thought provoking ideas that come as a result of those characters like Spock and Data and even the doctor in Voyager, who's a hologram, right, is 
is trying to find his humanity in this process, right? Right. Uh, he's a computer program. He 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 has these uh, computer subroutines that make him what he is, but it raises the question of what what does it mean to be human and what what kind of things need to happen to be able to connect to uh, our human nature, so to speak. Right. And it can also provide some incredibly funny moments. Like probably one of my favorite funny Star Trek quotes is when Worf questions Odo and asks, why are you talking to your beverage? Right. <laughs> yeah. Cause he's just, he has no social cues and he's just, if, if I see something weird, I'm going to question it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, this has been a, an interesting uh, discussion, and like I said, I always enjoy getting your perspective uh, and, and hearing what your thoughts are, especially on the older Star Trek stuff. And so we'll continue to offer our generational perspectives in this podcast and as we continue to explore Star Trek, the original series, episode by episode. But we'll also do some of these topical episodes from time to time where we just kind of riff on Star Trek or even even just science fiction in general or other shows that we might be interested in or stories that we might love so just to keep it interesting. So we appreciate everybody that's listening to the podcast. And if you like it, we would love to get a five-star rating and a positive review that will help us be able to spread uh, the word, get the word out uh, about the podcast and hopefully gain uh, more listeners over time as we continue creating content. Content. Yeah, and if you have any suggestions, leave them down in a comment. If you want to check out our socials, we'll leave them down in the description. But for now, that's all we've got for you. So we'll see you in the next one. All right. Take care, everyone. <laughs>